If we can uh, turn to uh, our little card, I'll just read the verse out loud for us. Um, so here it says, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing, and through the whole, uh, bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Um, so today I kind of want to speak on this idea, and if you see the title, um, I kind of came up with it. I didn't really have a title, but um, yeah, I was told if the PowerPoint doesn't have a title page, it looks a little weird. So I kind of came up with this idea, and it's called The Stale Place. And I guess looking at it now, the title should be a little bit more positive, but I hope at the end of this, there will be a positive note, and you'll get from that idea. But The Stale Place, and I want to talk about this idea, is um, when you were reading this, God, when we read this passage, and this is from Paul writing to the church of Colossae, he's saying um, the gospel has been bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just that it has been doing among the, you since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace. And so Paul is encouraging this church, saying, not just from day one when you heard it and was it good, but it's continuing to grow and increase, that they are being fruitful people, that they are bearing, and it is increasing. And he's encouraging them in this sense. Um, and for those of us here, especially for those of us who know this gospel and who know the truth, um, I think we could attest to that feeling of knowing what it means to be saved by God, to have that kind of joy when you know that, um, yeah, you failed, that you were inadequate, you're wholly inadequate, but you're wholly covered by the grace of God. And that feeling is such joy, is such freedom, the burden's lifted, and there's so much that comes with that. But what I realized was, and this is a personal thing in talking to some other people as well, is that that initial encounter is so sweet and so good. But as you continue on, um, you kind of hit sometimes these roads. And, and, and then as this title says, you kind of hit this stale place where things start to kind of feel like, all right, well, you know, a few years ago or a few months ago or whatever it was, it was so good. But now I'm at this place and I feel like, Something has stunted. My growth isn't necessarily growing. Why are we stuck here? Why am I feeling stale? And so today as I talk um, and kind of go through this, hopefully as a church and sharing from my own experiences that we can kind of see, if, especially for those who are stuck there, what it looks like to come about and why being in this place is not the reality, that God hasn't changed, that he is still good, and that you are still redeemed, that there is still growth happening, and we can move beyond that. Um, so the first sense before we go through is, um, this idea of the gospel reminder. Um, the first sense to know what the gospel and the truth is. And so we know the story that we know that we were all created to have this fellowship with God. That was our true identity, our true purpose. And in that sense, that was a perfect harmony. But when Man chose to commit the sin when man chose to choose sin. It was separated, and that kind of harmony was gone. But when I say sin, I'm not thinking in terms of just right or wrong. The choice to say, Lord, I'm going to follow something else because I expect that to fulfill me more than you can, and I'm going to chase that thing, and that's the choice I've made. So it's not you. It's going to be this. And whatever it is for each and every one of us, we have different things, different aspects. That's what it was, and we were looking towards that. And so that sin has separated us um, from God, and it put us in this place of condemnation. But as we've heard through different sermons through Pastor Ken, we know that that's not the end for sure, that Jesus came and he died for us, and he took this place on the cross, and he gave us a chance. 
add a joy for us to be part of his kingdom again, to bring us back into the fold. And so we have this moment, and we know that's very real. Um, and so when we talk about the gospel, and, and if you consider, uh, have I been stuck in this stale place, or have I been stuck in a kind of a rut where things are a little bit muddled, and this joy is not so clear as it originally was, well, the gospel truth and reminder is that that was a very real thing. That that moment and that experience, that liberation that we felt was very real. And it wasn't just some fake thing. It wasn't spurious. It was there. It was in the grasp. And we know that truth of what Jesus said. Um, in Colossians, here in 1, 21, 22, uh, it says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And so we see here that um, as Paul's writing to the church, he's saying, you as a church, this was you. You were alienated, you were gone, you were choosing to do your own things, but now you've been redeemed, brought before by the death of Jesus and being able to approach God again in this holy and blameless matter. And not and he's not right. And when he says this to the church of Colossae, this for all of us as well, that we were once alienated, but the truth is that we were brought back together and into the fold. And so that's our truth. And for many of you, I can't attest to everybody because I don't know everybody's story and whatnot, but for a lot of you, I know that you've had that moment with Jesus. You had that moment where you knew my life is this with this. I knew that I was lost, that I was condemned, but I've been given this opportunity and now I have this joy. And that joy was very, very real. But there's this next step. And the next step is now living your life once you know that good news, once you know the gospel. What are we to do at that point? Now that we are freed, again, what comes next? We're part of this story, but um, I think oftentimes when we try to think about the gospel or people approach Christianity, they're kind of looking for like a... Uh, like a new door to walk through. Like, all right, give me a new chance. I need something else. I need something to kind of put my life in a different direction and kind of set me on a different way. And oftentimes when we receive the God, and, and it is true that the, it is a bit of a doorway that, yes, we receive a new way, but it is not just the door that you walk through and then try to live the life on your own from here on out saying, all right, God, I thank you for that, and that was really good. Now I'm going to try my best to do it right from here on out. But that's... Definitely not it. That the next steps continue so much more, that there is so much to follow after that moment of salvation. Um, personally, for me, uh, back in 2012 was when I met. Uh, or, yeah, I grew up in the church as well, but it became very personal, and the decision to receive Christ happened in 2012. And when that happened, I was on kind of this cloud nine moment where everything was so free and good, and it didn't matter that I had screwed up um, not because, you know, I can just say, oh, that's not my problem anywhere, but I knew that I was not weighed down by that. Uh, as Daniel mentioned before, like, it's not about the past that I had because Jesus redeemed that, and I knew that, that I was covered by all those things, that all the people I had heard, all the things that I had done were redeemed, and that burden to try to fix myself was no longer mine, and I was freed, and I was moving, and it was good. Um, and the gospel started to increase, as Paul wrote in this verse, it started to increase and grow. And I believe my life was bearing fruit for a while. I uh, went into ministry, and I was working to share the kingdom. But as I reflect back on my last year and a half, 
I think what happened was rather than I did enjoy and then I did accept the gift of God, but it wasn't more of a, I'm going to live this life with you. It was more like, here, thanks for that handout. Now, thanks for the, you know, get out of jail free card, and I'm going to try better from here on. And while it did propel me for a while, the truth is I'm still a sinful nature. We still are. Even though we were redeemed by Christ, we are still sinful in nature. And as I continued on, this sin, uh, my sin started to creep up in different ways. Not in the same ways in my old life before I met Christ, but in different aspects. But the same idea of things like pride or impatience or anger, these things started to show. And, and I started to get very, well, I started off a little like kind of like, oh, no, 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 it's not true. Like, it just happens. Like, you know, I get mad in traffic or that student is not listening to the gospel. So my anger is justified if they're not going to listen to it. And I was like, oh, it's okay. But then it started to change into this idea of like, you know, did I really change? Like, what's going on? I thought Jesus had redeemed me, but why am I still kind of at the core? Yeah, I'm not doing the same things, but kind of at the core, I'm still thinking the same stuff. I'm still angry or I'm still judging these people. And it really put me in a rut for like a good year and a half because I didn't really understand. And, and then the enemy started attacking and I started considering, was, honestly, was any of it even real for me? Was any of that truth real? But as I was thinking and coming to this place, um, I realized, yeah, I took this as more of like the door to walk through, and I said, I'll try it on my own, or I took this handout, but without realizing that God said, yes, you are free, but you will continue to be free as you move forward, that it's not about here, do your best now that I've given you a chance, but I'm still walking with you, and you're going to realize more and more that you are still sinful but then you're going to see how much more holiness I have and how much more power and redemptive grace that Jesus' death will have. And I didn't get that. I didn't see that. But that should be the next step. That should be the next process. Um, you know, I came up with this illustration, and hopefully it connects, because honestly, I tried going over like a few times. Uh, but uh, anybody, uh, anybody surf here? I know we have one person here, Julie. I know Julia surfs, but not many other people. Nobody likes surfing. Oh, man, I'll try my best to explain the illustration then. I went surfing for the first time last year. It was tons of fun. Um, you're out there, uh, and you kind of, when you, for those of you who have done it, when you catch that wave, it's a nice feeling. When you're up on that wave and you're kind of going back, you're like, man, I did this. And it's a nice feeling to be up there. But it's very short, and then you're back in the water again, and it's cold, it's a little miserable, and then you got to paddle out, and you got to wait for the next wave, and it's kind of this process. But each wave is a little joyful. It's a lot of fun up there. Um, and I was thinking um, of that scenario as I was trying to prepare this message because I wanted to liken it to the first time I did meet Christ, and I was riding this initial wave, and it was probably the biggest wave you could imagine, and it was such a good um, right, it was so much joy knowing Jesus and being there. But just as in surfing, the wave doesn't go forever. And in this case, with Christ, that initial moment or that initial encounter with Christ shouldn't take you to the end of your life. That shouldn't be your only fuel as you go forward. There are processes where after you come to know Him and you stick and you grow and you persevere, and His grace continues to shine that you hit a next wave because you learn more and you see more of his grace and power. Just like in surfing, you catch that first good wave and it's good, but you got to kind of come back out and there's this whole process to catch the next one. 
once you're up there again, it's so much more fun. And the better you get, the bigger ones you could tackle and the more fun you're having up there. And this walk with God, I realized I was just trying to ride off this one big wave and then hold that as my fuel as I kept going. That I was like, all right, Lord, thank you for taking the last 22 years of my life and redeeming it. Uh, and that was really good. And I'm really glad I have the second chance now. I'm going to do my best and go forward. And, you know, it did, again, it propelled me for like a good two, three years, but things started to creep up because I wasn't coming and I wasn't living a gospel life with him. I was just trying it on my own. Um, and that's not the way we're meant to be because, again, yes, we are freed from um, our sin, but because we're sinful beings, there's still freedom to be had as we continue to grow. Um, in Isaiah 55, 8, the Lord says here, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. And so the Lord is saying here, your thoughts are never going to be my thoughts, and your ways will never be the ways that I desire. The Lord is greater in that sense. And then in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. And so we are sinful. That is our nature. Our hearts will never be right. Even after Knowing Christ, your hearts are still innately sinful, and so we will still be under this place of deception. And so it cannot be that we try to do it on our own. It cannot be that we take this one nice moment and expect that to push us through the end. It's a constant coming back. Um, I have this diagram here to try to illustrate what the ideal thing is, and it's from this um, devotional called The Gospel-Centered Life. So yeah, the time before maybe represents before you knew Christ. And then at that point where the line split is your conversion, that you come to know Christ, you know that you're freed, and you know the freedom. But once that part happens, you see that it's not just an uphill, but there's two things. It splits. And the bottom line, I don't know if you can read it, but it says, growing awareness of my flesh and sinfulness. But the line that goes up says, growing awareness of God's holiness. And that's the ideal vision of when we come to know Christ that this is what it should look like. Yeah, you are freed, but you're not just going to be this perfect person anymore. You will have more sin creep up. It's just going to be natural. But, the, but it, doesn't, it shouldn't matter. Not that you're not striving to live a life of free of sin and trying to do your best, but when things happen, you know that you're not condemned because the cross, you'll continue to see that the cross is greater and it could cover even more gaps and even more. And so you're not cut off. You're not worse off. You're not faking it. Um, this is the idea. But we get stuck oftentimes because we think, oh, yeah, God redeemed me, so now I need to do my best. Oh, this thing happened. Well, I'll try to make up for it. But we forget what brought us there, which was Christ and his salvation. And so this model, again, the bigger that goes, it doesn't matter. The cross will continue to grow. The power of it will cover that gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness. That's the diagram. That's the idea. Um, but like I said, this should be the reality. But at times, I struggle with this. And I don't know if you guys have had the same struggle. But this doesn't always play out in our hearts and minds. Um, and so what happens is uh, this next diagram, it shows, and it, this one says shrinking the cross. But if you see it, that gap will happen inevitably. It's not like that gap's going to change once you know Christ. That gap will continue to grow. You'll realize that I'm still not perfect. There's still so much work that needs to be done. But if you're not following 
and in tune with Christ, if you're not part of his body, if you're not nourishing yourself, if you're not gathering knowledge, then that initial power that was strong and your initial knowledge of Christ that was so good, it doesn't grow. And that cross, it doesn't connect that gap. And you start to grow distant because you think, oh, I thought I was done. I thought I knew this. I thought I knew what it was, but why am I still so sinful? And why is God seeming more and more distant at this time? Um, and this is kind of the third point or the idea is that while the previous picture of this, where the cross is big and covers all the gaps, is our ideal, oftentimes we get stuck in this area because we are minimizing our sin and we're shrinking the power of the cross. Um, you know, I found myself, people ask me, oh, how did you come to know Christ? And I tell them my story. I tell them, oh, these things happen. I went to college. Um, I had these moments. I didn't go to church. I hurt these people. And I share them my testimony. And, you know, they respond. They're like, oh, that's really great. And I'm really glad uh, that you came to know Christ like that. But the farther I get away from that time of testimony, I realize, why can't I attest to the things after my testimony to where I am now? Why is there a little, why is there this missing story? It's not like from 22 to 28 now, like, it's not like six years I did nothing. So much of my life happened. So why is there no testimony here? Why cannot I say, oh, God is still good in all these moments? And I realized, because I was minimizing my sin, that I was afraid to share Rather than letting the gospel move through my whole life, I took that hand out. I was like, all right, God, thanks for this. Thanks for that second chance, and I'm going to do my best. And I realized I was shrinking the cross, as this diagram shows, and that I didn't know that he would still continue to cover the inadequacies that I am, uh, that are part of my being. And I didn't get that. Um, the issue of this, again, then it comes to that it's rooted in you know, our confession or the lack thereof of our confessions of sin. And that was exactly me. Uh, I wasn't giving the cross a chance to do its power like I had done my initial conversion. I kind of stripped it away because I said, oh, I need to be better or I am better or I should be better or thoughts like that. Um, in this verse here, I, uh, it's a little small, but I hope you can read Deuteronomy 31.20. I was reading this in my devotion, um, but God was speaking and saying, For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And I added this because um, this is about the time when they're about to reach the promised land. If you don't know the story, please go read it because I don't have time to cover it. But the Israelites are getting to the promised land, and they're almost there, um, and God's saying, look, they'll get there, and they will have all that they want, and yet they will still turn from me. And that's the reality. With God, we get to know him. We get to know our joy. We get to have salvation, but eventually our sinful selves will turn away. That's what it does if we're not careful. But the idea is even when we turn away or we screw up, that the cross will still cover that idea as we continue to grow, that we need to know that. But if we are not taking part, reading the gospel, confessing our sins, being a body, then the cross becomes this small thing and that gap grows and we will become stunted in our growth. We will become stale, maybe even have thoughts of, hey, was this even real? But the Colossians, as Paul wrote to them, said, you are continuing to increase and bear fruit that you are growing in your faith since the day you heard it from day one. 
And to do that is to, what they were doing, I believe, is, again, nourishing, some, nourishing themselves with the gospel and with the word, hungering for knowledge and realizing that when they fall short, that they bring those things to light, that they were quick and ready to be a community. Because only when you do that will you continue to feel the redemptive power of the cross. Only when you can bring forward the places you screwed up will you be able to see that cross grow and not shrink. Only then will we be able to see that. Um, last week I was in New York. Um, I had a friend's wedding, and I, um, I'm also my girlfriend's out there, and it's a long distance relationship. So there's a lot of things, you know, we fight a lot. And when we got there, you know, she wanted to do her favorite thing, which is to talk. And uh, talking is not is not my forte. Uh, it's not my strength. Um, but you know, being three years in a relationship, I've learned something. So I know that I have to learn to enjoy these things. And I do, I do enjoy it. But with talking comes a lot of admitting and, and a lot of, you know, swallowing pride in things. And kind of like with my growth with God, there were just so many things I was unwilling to talk about it with her. But um, I needed to, and I knew I needed to. And so the night before I came back, we were just talking and sharing, and I was just telling her, like, where I'd been and just kind of confessing these things and things that, you know, directly hurt her as well directly hurt our relationship and hurt her feelings. And so it's not an easy thing to do, uh, definitely. not. especially when you like say things like, oh, I promise I'll do better or it'll be better from here on out. Um, but as I was confessing those things, um, yeah, it's not like she was just happy or, or fine. She, I could see that there was hurt in her eyes. I could see it. But when she was sitting there, she was saying, hey, um, thank you for sharing. I mean, this is a quick sum, but she was saying, thank you for sharing and I forgive you and things like that, and care for me. When you hear those words, when you kind of put it all out there, like the way I did, I mean, there's really nothing. There's no downplaying it in my head. There's no excuses. Like, you see the person you hurt. You see how you messed up. And you feel kind of, you feel the guilt. You feel the shame. But her being able to express those words saying, I forgive you, and willing and wanting to continue to work through it, I felt like that was the example of that redemptive power of the Christ to be able to confess those things and to see that yet again and again I'm still covered and her forgiveness was an example of God's greater forgiveness and grace was just that. And that sharing, that little thing of just wanting to talk and share, there's so much to kind of realign my image of the gospel and realize that that cross does grow, that cross does uh, grow bigger and cover this gap and rather than being stuck in this place where it wasn't there. And so... um, Doing that, I felt the redemptive forgiveness. I remember what it was and realized that, yeah, there's still so much work to be done, but it's not alone. It's not impossible because God's grace will continue to cover that. And so the question I want to ask is, um, you know, for you guys, as I share, yeah, I was in this stale place. I was stuck, and I feel like I'm not out of it. I'm emerging. There are seasons, but I feel like that kind of that next wave is coming because I'm coming back slowly to the basics, being able to be part of a body, to be reading and to be praising God and to be repenting. A question I have for all of you is then, where do you see yourself with the gospel? Have you tried to kind of take it as like a handout, like here, I'm going to take this and run forward as best as I can and do my best until I kind of burn out and, you know, peter out or, Are you constantly walking, living the gospel? Is that constantly growing and bearing fruit in your lives? 
Uh, if you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you're in this stale place, I do want to offer uh, some practical tips maybe um, to examine and see where you are. Maybe there's a place where you're minimizing the gospel or shrinking the power of the Christ. Uh, I put these points up here, but yeah, maybe do you often find yourself defending what you did? It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong, but do you find yourself defending what you did when people bring things up? Um, could you also could you possibly be minimizing your sin at that time? Or do you find yourself faking your way through things, trying to show a bigger, better face, trying to show that it's all good when it's really not? Or maybe not even faking, but you're just hiding it. Are you trying to push things away and do different things and just kind of hiding what's going on? Or do you find yourself maybe blaming um, people or situations or circumstances for what's going on? Uh, not really willing to say, oh, I messed up here, but always finding a reason for why this or that happened. Or are you downplaying the sin itself? Which is what I think I engaged in the most, was just trying to downplay everything, saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, that's just a one-time thing. Um, if you are any one of these things, I want to say that if you continue in it, it will put a stranglehold on your walk with Christ. It'll choke it, and it'll kind of die out. These are the things that will kind of suffocate that growth. Um, these signs in our life could be the reason why we're in a stale place. That's what I realized for myself. Now, I'm not saying just because you know these things, and maybe it is true, and the conviction is that you realize this. It's not going to be fixed by tomorrow. It's a process, but it's something that we can start to get out of there. Um, but I want you to know that, especially for those who have accepted Christ and have journeyed on, but have kind of hit a rut, to know that there's so much more to come, that it is not just an end, that you haven't failed, that there is no idea of failure. And if you fail, that's fine, because you are continue, uh, continue to be covered. But don't try to hide and try to make things better and continue to worsen the condition as I did. You know, find yourself, engage Engage with the community you have here. Talk with people and share. And don't hide or don't minimize your sin and then shrink the power of the cross. Um, there's so much more to be known and you don't need to shoulder that guilt by yourself. There's no burden. Jesus did that for you, so don't hold it onto yourselves at this point. He covers it all. And when you come through this, uh, yeah, there's going to be another wave to cast. There's going to be another moment of joy and realization of just how good he is. Um, when you share again and you do that, the gospel's sake, for the gospel's sake, you'll start to be sanctified again and justified again. Um, the Colossian church, the Colossian church, as Paul wrote there, uh, they were commended for bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing since they heard the uh, gospel. And I really want that to be a hallmark for our church. And we do do a lot of things. We do have so many mission-oriented things, uh, ministry-oriented things, um, chances to evangelize and share the gospel. But I hope that not just an outward type of thing, but an inward as well, that we can continue to grow as a body, that we can continue to live the gospel together by sharing, by trusting, and by letting the gospel cover our inadequacies and not being afraid to engage one another. Um, because that's where the realness starts, and that's where the realness, that's where these stranger, strange faces next to you become real, and that's where this becomes truly a family. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing, and I'm going to just wrap us up uh, in prayer.
God, I thank you. Thank you uh, that you knew that it wasn't just going to take a restoration of an earthly kingdom or anything like that or you in an earthly throne, that you had the wisdom and the foresight to realize that it would take much more than that. It would take a death, a sacrificial death, and a resurrection to cover not just the past sins, but the future sins, because you knew that we are sinful beings, that we will continue to be inadequate. So, Lord, I thank you for that. But I thank you, Lord, that we don't need to be weighed down by that anymore, that your cross is big enough and great enough to cover that gap, and that it does so much for us. So, Lord, I pray specifically for those who are stuck who have been wondering where you are or if your power is genuine or were those moments just fake. I pray that you eradicate those doubts now and show them that you are still good and that my brothers and sisters would lay down their barriers, uh, the barricades in their hearts and come to know that, yeah, you forgave them five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever, two years ago, one month ago, but you will still forgive them one month from now, one year from now, 30 years from now. That is a power. There is no shame to be hiding. There's no shame in that to come forward and to confess all those things. Um, Lord, I thank you for this uh, time and just may we be constantly reminded of that. In your son's name we pray, amen.